Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Katherine Van Sickle, the stories-based podcast that interviews donors, thought leaders, and professionals in the field of fundraising. Happy Thanksgiving. You can tell it's that time of year. My throat is a little bit scratchy on this intro, so I apologize, but the episode, we're all good. I will say I'm so thankful for you all today. Thank you for listening, sharing, and supporting the Development Debrief. This week, Adam Doino and I will debate the meaning of the term frontline fundraiser, and I put that in air quotes. Should we continue to use it, or is this a problematic term? We polled all of you on the Dev Debrief Instagram account and learned that 63% of you identify as a frontline fundraiser, 29% of you don't, and 7% of you don't know. We asked you if the term was necessary and 46% of you said yes, 33% of you said no, and 21% of you weren't sure. Take a listen and talk about it with your teams. I mean, you'll hear in our conversation, my mind has changed a bit as I you know, rethink the ideas that I came into it with. Please also see Adam's article that inspired this conversation. I have it linked in the show notes. Let's learn more about Adam. Adam M. Doino, a certified fundraising executive, is the founding executive director of the CUNY SPH Foundation and inaugural director of development for the CUNY Graduate School of Public Health and Health Policy. Since 2018, he's been an essential catalyst in the graduate school's achievement in becoming an independent, accredited, top-ranked public health authority in New York City and the nation. In his role, he is the architect of the school's fundraising operations and drives forward development activities that support CUNY SPH students, the 500,000-plus students and continuous learners within the CUNY system, and New York City broadly. Active in the fundraising community, Adam serves on the board of directors for the Association of Fundraising Professionals, NYC Chapter, as co-chair vice president of member engagement. He also serves on the board of directors for the 125th Street Business Improvement District in Harlem. In 2021, he was honored by NYN Media Nonprofit as part of their annual 40 Under 40 class. Adam earned an MBA from Hofstra University and an MPA from CW Post Long Island University. He lives on Long Island with his wife and two young children. Now let's get started. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the debrief. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Good, good. And little known fact, Adam was on the panel with me about demystifying the ask, which was a recent, very popular episode. That's right. It was a very popular episode, but also a very fun panel to serve on. I think we broke fire code at the Marriott Marquis, (laughs) did we not? We probably did. Yeah. So speaking of popular, Adam has just published a really exciting article that's getting a lot of responses, a lot of acclaim about the term frontline fundraiser. So that's what we want to talk about today, right, Adam? I can't think of anything better to do with our day (laughs) on a Thursday morning, a week before a big fundraising event. So, you know, we are sort of in the season of Thanksgiving. It's coming up really close and I think, you know, Adam and I were having a conversation about like the power of words. I think it's especially relevant with the election that just came up. And so we're going to dissect this term and talk a little bit to Adam about his article. But I also wanted to just acknowledge that it is Thanksgiving and there is 
so much, you know, on everybody's mind. I don't know, Adam, if you have any thoughts about how that relates to our work, but I wanted to be sure to bring it up. At Thanksgiving, words are everything, right? Like you, you are sitting around a table with family, some that you don't see that often, some of whom you probably have differing opinions with. And, you know, if we were winding the clock two, three years ago, Thanksgiving tables were something that people would cringe at the thought of. Yep. Um, so we're, I think I think it's appropriately topicked. I think words mean something and words carry a lot of weight and, and um, especially around a Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, they do mean a lot. So Adam, spoiler alert, he's not so into the term frontline fundraiser and I do love the term. So we're going to have a little banter. But not a duel. It's a friendly conversation. It's friendly. It's friendly. But what got you thinking about this word? Like, how did this thought process begin? Well, you know, I would say to level expectations, um, I've been doing this for 16 years. I, I'd say that I have pretty deep integrity uh, as a fundraiser uh, and, and follow through on a lot of the ethical values that we all share. You know, I approach fundraising with the same convictions and integrity that that I've seen around me growing up in a family of teachers and what they do, uh, my mother, my brother, in support of their students. Uh, and I think that overall, right, words matter, right, in conveying principles, um, in coalescing partnerships, uh, and leading to remarkable results. What led me to this thought, you know, I was trying, when you, when, when we started talking about this, having this conversation, I was thinking about, it, I was, I remember it was like late pandemic, pacing around my kitchen, drafting uh, an aggressive op-ed on the thought, because I can't remember exactly what, but an I think I might op-ed. Had, Yeah, very aggressive, much, much more watered down uh, <laughs> than what this was. Um, I, I think if I'm trying to remember, it was somebody that I was approaching for a job to come work for me mm -hmm. and didn't want the job because they wanted to be in quotes front line. And mm -hmm. so that's where the bitterness comes in. But I, um, I shelved it at the time because when you're angry, that's never the time for when you should be drafting an op-ed. When I heard the term, I've heard the term for years now, right? Like, uh, but when, when I heard it in that moment, it's like it evoked this imagery of wartime, of sitting at a, at a you know, a, a, a lunch table with a prospect or a donor and, you know, reaching for my butter knife like it was a trusty bayonet. Like I, I it didn't make any sense to me. Like, when did I become a warrior on the front lines of battle while at you know, some fancy restaurant in Manhattan, digging a la layer deeper, right? I, I've now been very introspective in, in, in thinking about this as I prepared. And I think that the organizations and missions that we all support, right? Almost all of them preach some form of equity or equality. I don't understand how our field of fundraising can be different and create an environment of what could be effectively us versus them. That's something that I have been falling short on as I've committed my professional life, right? My convictions, my principles to raising funding for worthy organizations and worthy missions that preach equity 
but then I should also be okay with my industry as fundraisers using these militaristic phrases to describe itself. They, they seem to run counter to each other. And that's something that I've now been trying to battle with. Battle. There you battle. go. Militaristic well, phrase. As a dad of two kids, I said to a friend the other day, we're, we're, if we're not sleeping, it's like, well, we're, we're in the foxholes together, right? It's like, you just, you slip. It's, it's, it's like Americana, you know, we're, we're also used to using these wartime phrases, but maybe not always well, so appropriate. It, it, you know, it's interesting that you, that it evokes that image for you, because for me, when I hear it, I think like, front of the house, back of the house, sales, like, are you externally facing or internally facing? I think of it as more of a workplace term. I mean, so I, I will tell you that um, in my current organization at the School of Public Health for the City University of New York, I would say civic justice and health equity are our guiding principles. That's my North Star. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's what's really galvanized the movement of recruiting our board of directors, recruiting our funders over the last five years. I will tell you that in my time at the school, our dean, he walks the talk uh, in, in everything that he does in research, academics, and in fundraising. And there isn't room for monikers here, right? Like this man is uh, a 45-year, 50-year professional of medicine and public health. And he could walk around calling himself the Gerber baby of public health, but he doesn't, right? <laughs> And be weird. It, it, exactly. Just like it would be weird if you introduce yourself as a frontline fundraiser. Yeah. You know, I had lunch with um, two very well-respected New York City nonprofit leaders, very well-respected individuals. And when we were meeting, we were getting to know each other. We, we had served on a panel at a different thing together. And um, they asked them, they asked me to tell me about myself. I said, oh yeah, I'm a, you know, nonprofit executive and a fundraiser. And one of the two at the table said, oh, that's how you, you associate yourself. That's how you identify. You identify as a fundraiser. I didn't say as a frontline fundraiser, because I think if I did, they would have thought I was pompous, right? So maybe that's going back to what you're saying, which is that it's it's internal speak. It's I do think it's, I would yeah, I would not say that at a cocktail party. Unless someone was getting specific with me and saying, oh, do you travel? Do you meet with donors? I would say, yeah, I'm frontline. Right. So who else is frontline is the question that I want to know. Right. right? Because right. No, I love that you're you're you're, you're a director I, I of major that. gifts. You're right. pounding the pavement. I've been in your shoes. Right. I've been I've been the director of major gifts for local and for national organizations. And who else is frontline? Who isn't? Right foundation officers. I know foundation officers that raise more money hand over fist than major gifts officers in their organizations. Right. Uh, and that's, well, but, but are that, they any less frontline because they're, they're mostly behind a desk or what well, about event fundraisers? Compare dollar for they're dollar foundation versus individuals. Uh, well, I mean, it's all green, right? Yes. <laughs> Unless it's crypto, I suppose, but, um, <laughs> which you shouldn't be raising crypto right now anyway, but it's neither here nor there. You know, I think event fundraisers too. You know, some of the most dynamic fundraisers that I've met in my time have been event fundraisers. And they are uh, a completely different breed from individual major gifts, from foundations. Um, Do you think it's all relations. the same skill? It's just different audiences? To a certain extent, right? 
you know, um, apples, oranges, bananas, it's all fruit. But I do think that it's less about it being different audiences and more about it being different mindsets, right? I think that having done all of these different jobs at some point in my career, right? The person running the fundraising event isn't walking in with the same mentality that the major gifts officers. And maybe it's it's part and parcel of the the job description of being the major gifts officer, right? Like when did major gifts as a title become not enough, right? They're major gifts, right? We don't call them minor gifts. They're major gifts. These are huge, hopefully game-changing contributions for an organization. Right. But when did that not become enough to describe what we do? I mean, I think that in its own right might be mildly offensive to some donors and prospects. Why do we need more descriptors to lift ourselves up? Major gifts. It, I think everyone understands that that is generally almost always individual giving. And if you hear major gifts, you know that that person is sitting down with individuals asking for money. Right. Right. Same with individual giving and to a certain right. extent, event fundraising and foundations. Uh, you, you need to have those basic interpersonal skills in order to be successful in any of those jobs, which rewinds the clock and asks the question again, who is frontline and versus who isn't? But I would actually argue we should look at this from the donor perspective, right? Like frontline, right? Now let's right, use the right. front frontline phrase and the imagery that that evokes and say, okay, you're a frontline fundraiser. Let's ex let's accept that that's the term that we're going to use to describe uh, uh, anyone who's out in the field making asks, cultivating relationships. You're frontline. Of what battlefield? Who are you doing battle with? Is it the donor, the prospect? Are you, are they the ones that, are they the people that you're trying to defeat? What, what is the end game of it? If we're using healthcare as um, an analogy, right? Let's, let's use that as an example. I understood during the pandemic why you would call a frontline uh, healthcare worker frontline, right? Right. They're right. actually risking their lives. Mm-hmm. I had board members that were emergency room physicians during the pandemic. The stories I heard were, were startling. These people are really, truly on the front lines of an actual problem, of a real battle. Yeah, that Not, sort of redefined the way we think about the word, actually. The pandemic really did, I think. It did. It really yeah. did. It, 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 like, I understand in that analogy, the, the, frontline, the healthcare worker is on the front lines of the battle against what was at that point in time, a very deadly disease that we knew very little about. So what are we as fundraisers on the front lines of that? I'm still not, I'm still not figuring that piece out. In this analogy, the donors are then the people that we're fighting against and we're trying to win the day so we can take their money. So uh, I don't think of it as a fight. It's interesting. Putting it in that context is very helpful. I think maybe, this is, I just had this thought for the first time, that we use that term because it is scary to ask for money. It's scary to sit down from someone and ask them for $2 million. Now, am I saying that's the same as fighting the pandemic? Absolutely not. But I think maybe that's part of where it came from, is that you are putting yourself 
out, you know, to potentially be rejected? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, as as I said to you privately, you know, I'm not in favor or against the term. I'm trying to understand it in a way right. that it becomes either a commonly agreed upon definition within our industry that is equitable or we drop it. And I'm saying that that's the conversation that has to happen because I do agree with you. There is something terrifying, especially for young fundraisers, about going out into the world and asking someone to give their time, their talent, their treasure to support um, the mission, vision, and values of an organization, right? I would argue that as you get older and you become more experienced in doing this, that when somebody agrees to take a meeting with a fundraiser, they know that eventually money's going to have to be transacted at some point in time right. right so it makes it much easier something that you're probably very good at doing something that i've become very accustomed to in my career as well so i would argue yes that there's certainly the fear right but does the fear equate to being frontline is that a term that's needed who tell is using about, this term? Tell us about your field research. What did other people say when you asked them what it meant to them and, you know, how they think about it? Well, so, okay. Uh, I didn't do heavy double blind scientific research. I mean, I know you texted me. But... I texted you. Uh, I texted a lot of people. Uh, you know, from my past jobs, I've worked all over the country uh, for different organizations, both nat nationally and locally. The responses were, were, as you could expect, all over the map, right? in favor, against, apathetic. Some people brushed it off as a marketing term uh, that consultants used. Some said that the phrase uh, once had more meaning, but that it's evolved, that it really means anyone that works in the field of advancement. So even the internal versus the external employees, right? Others felt strongly that it was a defining phrase that was like the holy line of demarcation between those who ask and those who don't. And I think that there were those who accepted that it's a phrase that younger fundraisers use to lend more value to themselves. Hmm. And I say that that's coming from, from some folks that might be a little bit more advanced in their careers. Interesting. Um, Very interesting. That, that, those are the, 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 I would say, as I was trying to bucket this into sort of the different, you know, core responses, I try to do things in threes, but in this case, it's fours. Those were sort of the four primary responses that I got from talking to quite a few people. I looked at the internet to see, you know, what I could learn. It was as helpful as you could imagine and some pretty funny, like think like infomercials for Better Call Saul, where he's like trying to sell senior citizens to take his services and represent them in a class action lawsuit. Um, that's kind of the vibe I got off of it, like consultants, programs, courses, um, trying to sell services, trying to transform you or your team into frontline. It was very cheesy. And, and even then, that then waters down the meaning that I think that you carry when you talk about frontline. It's I mean, very I different. I think of myself as frontline, but, but again, as I said before, I wouldn't describe myself to somebody else as frontline. I, I think that there's a generational divide, right? Yeah. From what I talk to people, I'd say that there was a pretty big disconnect and, and all of these people I would describe as sophisticated fundraisers and also all over the map, major gifts professionals, um, CDOs, event fundraisers. Mm -hmm. It was consistently inconsistent. There is no definition. And that brings back to the my thesis point, which is 
there there should be a definition. An understood. An understood upon. definition. Yeah. Right. If you were to go, I, one thing I didn't do, one thing I didn't do is I didn't go and call volunteers that I've worked with to ask them what they thought. And it's a fascinating thing that I didn't do that. Right. And I would say it's fascinating because I don't want to ask them what they think about that phrase because I have a feeling they'd be offended. Well, I think I should do a poll on the Dev Debrief Instagram. I think that would be wonderful. Well, you've used the word equitable a couple of times, and obviously that's a buzzword, but it's more than a buzzword. It's something that's very important to many of our organizations and something that we think about sometimes on a daily basis. So let's let's dig deeper into that. Are you is your thesis that eliminating this term makes the workplace more equitable? What would what's the connection between the term and equity in the office? It's it's not just equity in the office, it's equity, it's aligning mentality and mission, ensuring like that. that, I'm sorry? I like that. Yeah, it's mentality and mission, you know, having worked at United Way, social justice, equity-driven organization, National Kidney Foundation, building equity in uh, access to quality healthcare for, for kidney patients, FPWA, which is this small social justice organization in the city, um, quietly one of the, the most influential social service policy organizations in the city. And now at the CUNY School of Public Health, which is, you know, all about bridging the, the gap in providing high quality education to aspiring public health professionals that want to do good, that want to give back to their communities, equity and social justice ride through every single one of those organizations and their missions and their ethos and their personalities. And I don't understand how I could be in a profession that drives inequitable terms that, that is okay with it. And I think for like smaller shops like mine, like I have three people on my team, right? Terms have no place here. Bigger shops, you know, where, you know, like you've been at Columbia University, you've been, you're, you're, you're presently at a, a, a pretty significant private school and other organizations, right? Like having, having worked at United Way, I mean, at the time when I worked at United Way, I think there were like 30 or 40 fundraisers on staff um, back before the, the, uh, the Great Recession. You know, I could understand how terms like this help you stand apart, stand above, you know, Fundraisers, we want to puff our chests, right? We want to go out into the battlefield and 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 and. I definitely and, don't like the battlefield. And thing. win the day. I do not identify with that. Understood, and, and I think, but when people start to really think about like the word, it's like yeah, it's like when you it's like when you have your when you when you realize you're gonna have your first kid, right? Like all you can think about is we're gonna have a baby, we're gonna have a baby, and it's not until somebody says you're gonna be a great parent, right? Those are two different things, right? Like the mentality of being a parent versus the mentality of we're going to have a baby, right? It's, yeah. I, I think that they're very different things. One is about changing your, your mindset, your behavior, your prioritization in life versus another, which is, you know, still kind of bright eyed and looking forward to the future. And one is very real. And the same can be said here. It's like frontline. It's like, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I'm a frontline fundraiser. I'm going out and making exactly. the asks. Exactly. Versus you're evoking imagery of doing battle with the people that we need to support our mission so we can all keep doing our jobs. So what do you think is the appropriate term? What's the shift that we should be making, in your opinion? 
I mean, I'm not a sociologist, right? Like I, I don't <laughs> necessarily have the answers. I just like coming to the table with problems. Um, I don't know, you know, one professor who works at our school, who's an expert in, in um, public health marketing referred to my op-ed as like a peek into inside baseball. And we you talk know, about that a lot, actually. Yeah. About yeah. not doing, not sharing inside baseball. Right. Like from the donor's perspective, it should be a very seamless, shiny, um, very thoughtful, almost you over anticipate their needs process, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, from prospect or donor, whatever it may be. This shines a light on sort of the, that inside baseball. I think very strongly having, you know, you've been junior in your career at one point. I've been junior. I remember working for uh, United Way and being an operations manager on the major gifts team when I first started. And I was the guy doing the research, pulling together information, putting it together into a, into a, a thoughtful, uh, coherent, and cogent way to then prepare my vice president, my senior vice president, CDO, CEO, whoever it was, to go out there and make the ask. And I can promise you that they read the materials that I put together for them and the ask was better for it. Does that make me any less of a fundraiser? Does that mean that I should have a differing term that defines me differently? I don't think so. I think it's all part of one thoughtful, seamless, shiny process. We're, we're all in it together. Tell us about the restaurant analogy. I know that struck a lot of people and I think it would be a great way to wrap up. Sure, sure. You know, I, um, there's so many terms, so many like analogies you can use, yeah, right? There are. You know, people show up, you know, uh, football analogies, right? Like, you know, people come to watch the offense, but defense wins games. You know, th there are so many that you could use. I don't know where this one came from. Like what? if the set falls down, it doesn't matter how good the dancer is. Right. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know where that restaurant analogy came from. It just kind of shot from the hip. Maybe I watched too much Gordon Ramsay, but I, I think it states that there needs to be a harmony between the entirety of the fundraising advancement team. Because if everyone's operating on their own frequency, then then it's just gonna stop working, right? I've gone to fancy restaurants, you've gone to fancy restaurants and when you sit down at the experience, it's it's the whole of it. It's how you're greeted. It's the way the place looks. It's the way the the waiter or waitress speaks to you. It's the menu and how it feels in your hand. It's the silverware that it's clean and the plate is clean and the food that is uh, given to you is cooked properly. It's one experience. And if one half of the experience, the back of the house, right? I'm using air quotes because I, I know that people can't see me. Then you, you lose the entire experience. The entire thing falls flat. If the food that comes out to you is served raw or not, or the, the dishware is dirty, then the whole thing falls apart. And I think the same can be said for the field of fundraising, right? I would never want to walk into a prospect meeting unprepared or prepared with improper information. And, and so I don't think of myself as frontline and I don't know if others should, right? Because I think frontline invokes 
a thought that it that someone is better than. And I don't know if that's necessarily appropriate. The prospect researcher or the development associate, development operations manager, whoever it is, uh, isn't doing their job well, then I'm not going to be as equipped to do my job well. The thing and, that and, it, and I would argue that frontline is also perspective, right? Like, where do you sit in the organization? The operate the development operations manager on my team, I bet you she would argue she is frontlines again using air quotes with wrangling finance operations facilities. Uh, professors, human resources, wrangling me. And without her, everything ceases to function. So thanks, Brianna. I would say that the restaurant analogy kind of came to me naturally. And I would say that it's just a, a representation of that it's it, it takes a village. The image that it evokes for me is thinking about an orchestra. Okay. I'm less musically inclined, but hit me. <laughs> that all of the different parts of the orchestra need to be, to use your term, in harmony, pun intended, but that everyone needs to be working together. And I have to be completely honest, and I'm put, making myself a little vulnerable, a little vulnerable here. I really haven't thought about it that way before. And I agree with you. Development is a working ecosystem. I love the light that you're shining on this because I agree with you. I think you're right. And before we talked, I really liked the term frontline fundraiser. And now I feel differently. I don't mean to send anyone into Thanksgiving <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with, you know, this, this impending sense of lack of, of self-identification. That's not what I'm trying to do. No, but um, I love the idea of hearing different opinions yeah. and thinking where you stand, which is kind of what I, you forced me to do. <laughs> In my line of work, right, which might be different than what you would you what you're pitching as a fundraiser, right? A lot of what we what we um, seek funding for is programmatic activities within our organization and in support of the the various communities that we serve. If we have a program officer that designs a bad program, it's or doesn't follow through after the fact. It doesn't matter what your title is. We're all yeah. going to be in in a bad place together, right. and and that's something right. that's really important. I think. To remember, it is about balance. Adam, this has been so much fun. I would love to know. And and I think I may know what you're going to say. So it'll be interesting to see if you surprise me. What do you know for sure? How well do you know me? What am I going to say? <laughs> you know, this is one of those questions. Fundraising is a team effort. We're all part of the fundraising process. That's what I thought you were going to say. I love it. You and I, we're on the same wavelength. Look at that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I hope everyone can take a couple minutes out of their day to read Adam's article and think on it themselves about how they identify and how they view the team as a whole. Thank you for having me. This was a real treat. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Have pie, watch football, and um, you know, argue at the dinner table about what Frontline means to you. Love it. Hey, listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. 
we're thrilled to feature the development debrief on Evertrue Studios Podcast Network. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios.